This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Shouldn't you be at work? When the seagulls follow the trawler, it's because they think sardines will be thrown into the sea. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. I'll have a low-fat pizza or something like that, or a few biscuits and some milk on a Sunday. And you can pair up if you like, and you can fucking pick someone else to help you, and you can bring your fucking dinner. Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, oh and he has to. No. Hello and welcome to a special bonus episode of Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? I'm Chris Skoll. Joining me, Josh Whittacombe. Hello. And will he arrive to the live show this Sunday with a Jaime Marino Man of the Match Coca-Cola jacket? Did he win the eBay? Let's find out on Sunday. It's Michael Mard. Hello. Oh, can I hear a jacket on you or do you sound cold? It's difficult to tell. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to hear the acoustics. Is it bouncing off? Or is, it... is it bouncing off your, your sleeves? Your voice sounds a lot softer than normal. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, we should say on that uh, that I've I got an email I wasn't going to read out, but since we're discussing the tone of your voice. Oh, God. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't like this. So his wife, who's not into football, uh, he was listening to Quickly Kevin during the lockdown. And then um, she didn't ask him to turn it off. And then he says, but then something strange happened. A couple of weeks ago, I came home from the shops to find her in the kitchen with Quickly Kevin on in the background. <laughs> I hadn't been listening to it that day. So suspecting she either hadn't or didn't know how to turn off the podcast on Sonos, I switched it to the radio, cut her swiftly chastising me. She was listening to it. Confused, I inquired why. With a glint in her eye, I don't think I've seen since our wedding night many years ago, she said, I like the sound of his voice. It's very pleasing. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if Michael has ever considered a career in adult fiction audiobooks, but the frequency with which I've heard the show we played over the last couple of weeks suggests he might have at least one loyal customer. Wow, I'm genuinely blushing. what's, What's his wife's name? I don't think he says... Um, no, he hasn't. He hasn't used her name. Okay. <laughs> well, whatever your name is, uh, how are you doing? 
Maybe there is. Maybe that's a revenue stream for us. Audiobooks. Fifty Shades of Andy Gray. <laughs> Sending United's yes. footballer fan fiction if you want, and Michael will read it in a sexy manner. Oh, uh, God. No, we, is... no, we can't do that. We can't do that. Well, I don't know. I, you know, we've seen some fan fiction spawned from the Steve Bruce uh, murder mystery novels. Like people have been really keen. Yeah, if it's PG thirteen, I'm not reading like. Tommy Findle Larson like rimming Bakioko. But if it's like PG thirteen, maybe maybe I'll read a bit out for his wife. We want it more romantic than sex. Like a Mills, yeah, Mills and, and Boone. Boone. Yeah, exactly. Mills and Boone. <laughs> Just thinking of if like everyone anyone listening to this with their like girlfriend in the car, you just said Tommy Spindle Larson rimming Ibrahim and Bakioko. And like, no like only men of a certain age are gonna know what that means. It's such a niche audience. Have you know we have two percent female listenership now? Well, no. Do you know I checked checked the other day? It's gone down to less than one percent female listenership. Oh no! Well, this will all change. Maybe Michael's not been speaking enough. (laughs) On the quiz episodes, that swings massively the other way. (laughs) I did say that's a paragraph I skipped over. Uh, We were really listening. Oh, his wife's called Sarah. Hello, Sarah. How are you? Uh, she seemed to enjoy the snippets of episodes, in particular the end of series quizzes. <laughs> <laughs> Tell her not to point out the factual inaccuracies, please. <laughs> right. The reason we're here is because we're doing our first return of the Zoom live shows. That is on Sunday night at 8 p.m. We are joined by the amazing Matt Ford and Tom Crane. Uh, they will each be picking their teams. They will then be playing off in a Championship Manager 97-98 match, which we will all watch. We'll also be doing a Q&A. Anything you ever wanted to know about Quitly, Kevin, do ask us. Tickets are £5 uh, from Ticketmaster. Go on Ticketmaster, type in Quitly, Kevin, or follow the links in our Twitter and Instagram. Or it is free to Patreon XJ8 members. So if you want to sign up to that, patreon.com slash quickly kevin and we should also say the zoom show on sunday will be available to watch on catch up to any quickly kevin fan club xj8 members and any Ticketmaster ticket holders and finally in order to watch the zoom show live as it happens you will need to have registered for the fan club at xj8 level by 1 p.m on sunday if you register after 1 p.m on sunday you'll still get the show for free but you'll have to watch on catch up i'm afraid so if you're thinking of subscribing to the fan club to join us live at 8pm on Sunday, get registered before 1pm. And for everyone who has asked, XGA members and Ticketmaster ticket holders will then receive a unique link to watch the show at approximately 6pm Sunday evening. And we'll see you at 8. Now, we've had so much good correspondence that we've done an extra overflow episode for you today. Here it is. I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the Electronic Postbag. You've got mail. Right. Football and chocolate, anyone? Go on. Off the back of David Boost, I mistakenly suggested other footballers with the names of um, chocolate bars. Uh, so, uh, Nick Barron. Dwight Yorkie, anyone? <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's route one. Uh, Galaxy Lalas. Oh, yeah, I like that. And this one, this is a blast from a pass. Uh, from West Brom, Richard Snickers. Do you remember him? <laughs> no. Richard Sneakers. Do you not remember him? Uh, come on. Dutch midfielder. You're not buying any of that. No, yeah, yeah. I, I just thought, as you were saying, I thought of uh, Georgie Kit Kat Clardsy. <laughs> That's oh, yeah. not the worst. Well, James Brooks, who's software engineer, says, um, 90s Chelsea winger and Falkirk player of the millennium. 
Kevin McAllister is nicknamed Crunchy. He should surely be nicknamed Home Alone, shouldn't it be Kevin McAllister? That's that. <laughs> James Brooks has also suggested Torben Picnic. Yeah. Nice, yeah. And Vladimir Kinder. Do you remember him? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. There you go. So we've got them. But Chris, there is news, but we can't really give it. But we will be following up David Boost with Cadbury's, aren't we? Yes. I haven't told you this, right? This is, you're going to hear this for the first time. I think I'm in the middle of a chocolate arms race. <laughs> what do you mean? I've been sent a box of specialist Kit Kats, like a huge box by Kit Kat, with a letter that, that has asked me to kind of do a pun on have a break, have a Kit Kat. What? Right. I think the chocolate bigwigs have finally cottoned on to the fact that we are the key to unlocking extra chocolate sales. <laughs> So what, what do you mean you've been so how have they got in, how did they get in touch with you Twitter uh, I worked through an advertising agency and and someone within that advertising agency has realized this has listened to the podcast and just sent me a load of Kit Kat it just right. turned up one day with a letter going can you do a pun on have a break of a Kit Kat I don't think that a box of Kit Kats I, it's I, I a think massive selling box. yourself short <laughs> it's a massive box <laughs> Well, I, I've already hand-delivered Georgie Kit Kat Kalati, so, you know, <laughs> done. That could work. I was thinking, uh, have a break, have a Kopka. <laughs> yeah, that, okay. Is that you're having that? Have a break, have a Raz Rat. Now, this is more no- noughties. There's a Romanian called Raz Ran Rat. It, it does it not really. Oh, yeah, this yeah. is the worst one that I've written out. I can't even believe I've written this out. It must be a mistake. Have a break, have a Mark Fish. <laughs> what? <laughs> doesn't even. <It's> terrible. <laughs> It's absolutely awful, isn't it? Is there a return address on that box? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've landed on have a break of a Kitson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'll buy that. But the other, so the the chocolate arms race continues because Cadbury's have been in touch. (laughs) I don't know how this has happened. I don't know. One email about David Boost and Cadbury's Boost and the world's gone mad. Yeah. But representatives of Cadbury's have been in touch. Capri's kindly going to send the guy who sent that email in a massive box of boosts. And Capri's have gotten in touch with David Boost and they're going to send us more boosts. But that's all I've got right now. Well, there's, follow there's, it. Follow it a, as it goes. Developing stories. And thank God we've got the 90s o'clock news normally so that I can update listeners on this really important evolving news story. Michael Jordan was able to do was take it to that Babe Ruth place where basketball had become ingrained in the country's entire consciousness. The Air Jordan was something that transcended all these different borders that hadn't really been transcended before. The shoes gained very quickly a huge street value in American culture. And all of a sudden overnight, it was just like everybody wanted them. What the hell is a Nike doing? We're in now the 80s, and we're putting a black guy on television to sell shoes to white America. What he did in terms of global marketing and giving other black athletes a blueprint to do that was quite revolutionary. David Falk, to his credit, said, I got a name for this thing. It should be called Air Jordan. Michael always tells me it's the first and the last great idea I ever had. <laughs> It was like what the Beatles were, people screaming, and then you had Michael Jordan. You had Paul and John roll into one. They'd hoped to sell $3 million worth of shoes, and they sold $126 million the first year. No one did for marketing 
what Nike and Michael did for marketing. Nobody. Everything he was doing correlated to those shoes. And we bought into that because what was the tagline they were selling us? Is it the shoes? You said, damn man, I can't be Michael Jordan, but I can have this piece of what he represents. The demand of his product and product with his name on it had reached a point where crimes were basically being committed. Nike, they have a responsibility in this, and they have to do something. And if nothing happens, we'll see more cases like this. You'll see more mothers and fathers like me. The real problem is they don't want to address it in a meaningful way. If the Air Jordans are in the image of Michael Jordan, shouldn't he have some say about what's going on? I am in no way, shape, or form blaming Nike for my son's death. But they can say something. One Man in His Shoes, out now in selected cinemas and on VOD from October 26th. Okay, now... This is exciting. This is from Samuel Hutchinson. Hi, guys. In 2014, my wife and I were struggling to find a singer for our wedding. In a fit of desperation, we went to the nightmare that was the Birmingham Wedding Fair at the NEC to see what they had to offer. When we got to the musician's corner, we saw a sharply dressed singer performing a fabulous rendition of Frank Sinatra's My Way. We were both instantly hooked and immediately took his details to book him for our big day. But something wasn't right. I knew his face from somewhere and his name. It bothered me for a few days. Eventually, after a bit of Googling, I realised who he was. My wife and I were in the process of booking former Manchester City and Northern Ireland midfielder Jim Whitley to perform at our wedding. (laughs) (laughs) Which might be a novelty for most, but as an avid Man United fan, I just couldn't go through with it. My father, brother, father-in-law-to-be and many others present were United fans would surely make the connection. I mean, 38 appearances in eight seasons is practically legend status. (laughs) So I had to slowly change my tune and convince my wife that I wasn't sure it was the right vibe for our evening guests. I promptly found a rock band to provide music for the big day as an alternative. If you go online, uh, there is a website where you can book Jim Whitley. He is now working as a singer at weddings and cruises, etc. What a career he's had. I'm just looking at his Wikipedia page, and it's it's 90% his football achievements, but there is a very small section on his singing career. Um, now, we have, of course, been obsessed with uh, people getting their uh, Man of the Match awards. Uh, this is from Andrew McKinney. Just a quick one after the Coca-Cola match jacket from Season 7, Episode 1. In the Carabao Cup this season, Renford Saeed Benarama was given a copy of Crash Bandicoot 4 on the PS4 as a gift for winning Man of the Match. <laughs> Not 90s, you say? I think the inclusion of any Crash Bandicoot gives any story a 90s vibe. Uh, I look forward to winning that on eBay in 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And now we have a letter about Yuri Geller that is one of my favourite letters of all time. He's back. You've been been building up this email. This is from Stuart McGowan. I'm so excited. I imagine lockdown has affected us all differently. For me, it's fueled the odd desire to investigate and complete a dossier of Yuri Geller's dealings in the beautiful game. It's been a painstaking process, one that's taken in Vanessa Feltz, the CIA, and Nigel Mansell. However, it is a journey that sadly remains unfinished, mainly due to my boss requesting more evidence of working from home (laughs) and my wife finding this weird database on my screen when I was too busy to hold our teething baby. Here are some highlights from the golden age of Yuri Geller. It appears not even the mighty pilgrims were immune. So he's listed different clubs and countries and what Yuri Geller's done 
to help them in football. Oh, wow. Like a kind of potted history of Geller. Potted history of all of Yuri Geller's uh, input oh, into, wow. onto the beautiful game. Uh, maybe like some X-Files or something underneath this. England. Heavy-handed police stopped Geller from repeating his magic during Euro 96 semi-final versus Germany as he attempted to make his way to a better position near the goal mouth. What? Didn't know that. Hold on, hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So, <laughs> it's news. So we yeah. could have got to the final <laughs> of Euro 96 were it not for the, for the feds ruining our chances. I'm suddenly pro-Geller. <laughs> well, wait for this. In the build-up to the 1998 World Cup, Yuri promised to send the England squad his little book of mind power. In quotes, <laughs> that's not a thing. Small enough to fit in their shin pads if they need inspiration on the field. <laughs> their shin pads. What well, the plan is? What they'll take it out on the pitch and just sort of consult it. Yeah, get a little, a little maxim from Geller. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why Beckham lashed out. It had got sort of, it had gone loose, and he was just trying to flick it out of his socks, and he actually accidentally hit Simeone. <laughs> Um, this is the third one. At one stage, Yuri was threatened by Glenn Hoddle with legal action uh, over an alleged visit by Hoddle and Eileen Drury to Geller's home. Uh, yeah, I can see that. They're not going to get on in the dressing room, are they? Drury no. and Geller. No. I reckon Drury was going, don't let that Yuri in. He's a fraud. <laughs> not like me. Scotland. He moved the ball for Gary McAllister's missed penalty. Yeah. Whilst hovering above the ground in a helicopter. Accepted fact. Yuri subsequently blamed it on the CIA. What? Blame to what on the CIA? I don't know. It's one of the few things he succeeded in. <laughs> uh, as repayment, he offered Scotland his lucky chair to improve their fortunes at the World Cup 98. God. Craig Brown was not available for comment. <laughs> Reading claims he held striker Trevor Morley's hand prior to a crunch game v Bolton. Morley went on to score a hat-trick. Claims he made striker Lee Hogan sit in his chair. The following Saturday, Hogan scored a hat-trick against Southend. 6-2 victory over FC Bracknell attributed to one of Geller's lucky crystals. <laughs> <laughs> Exeter City helped Exeter beat Chelsea 2-1 in July 1996. In quotes, every time we got the ball, Yuri would put his head in his hands and concentrate and told us to do the same. Initially got involved in Exeter due to his son living in the city in a past life. What? Yeah, that's the reason he got involved with Exeter City. Uh, he met Nigel Mansell in Exeter. He became the chairman and uh, peak of the world in 2002 when he persuaded Michael Jackson and David Blaine to visit the club for a fundraiser, which we talked about before. I didn't know this. In 1997, he looked into purchasing Plymouth Argyle, but hadn't felt a paranormal pull. <laughs> paranormal? Sounds like he wanted a ghost to wank him off. <laughs> in 1997, Yuri offered his services to Blackpool to design their away kit. If Blackpool asked, I would be happy to design a more effective away kit for the team. Middlesbrough. Yuri claimed he could have helped Middlesbrough from relegation by changing their kit from red to orange, psyching the players up. He also campaigned in the town for the release of some hostages in Kashmir. (laughs) (laughs) Fulham. Uh, May 2nd, 1997. Fulham have revealed the secret behind their 2-0 victory over Hull. Psychic Yuri Geller, the television star, visited the players before the match, then stayed to see the game. Skipper Simon Morgan said, Yuri came to the dressing room and bent a few spoons and then told us we would win. He was right. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's it, isn't it? He's just turning up, bending a few spoons, and then claiming credit for whatever happens. This will blow your mind. Chelsea, he was photographed in the aftermath of the 1998 Cup Winners' Cup final, celebrating with Roberto Di Matteo and Gianfranco Zola. What? What? 
Isn't that mad? In 1998, Doncaster's players called in the union to avoid a trip to Yuri Geller's mansion for brain trialling. Ended in a spat between the club and Yuri Geller. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. They called in their union to make it happen or to, to stop it to stop trip. it happening no to right. avoid a trip to his mansion for brain trial wow Newcastle in 2001 he was hired by Newcastle newspaper to break the club's 30 game run without a win in London the result a 3-1 win at Arsenal I think he's good <laughs> Finally, Italy. He contributed to Baggio missing that penalty by wishing negative thoughts onto him. See, that, that, that's why I wouldn't really want to get the wrath of Yuri Geller. Just on the off chance that he is actually a wizard. Do you think he has got magical powers? No, of course he hasn't. <laughs> he's a snake oil salesman. He's an absolute charlatan. I, I genuinely don't know how he sleeps at night. Um, well, On a bed made of spoons, I imagine. But. <laughs> The the Yuri Geller, Roberta Di Matteo, Gianfranco Zola thing. I was like, oh, I can't believe that's true. I just Googled Gianfranco Zola, Yuri Geller. And sure enough, there's an article on Yuri Geller's own website there that has go. the two of them together. They're all together. And you can see Roberta Di Matteo, Gianfranco Zola bending spoons, and they're all like checking it out. Well, he does, he does recommend, if you want to look deeper into these, www.yurigeller.com yeah. slash press reports Yuri football. He's got <laughs> Yuri Geller's catalogued all of the things that he's done involved in football so any Geller fans or anyone else who's had any Geller involvement in football we are more than willing to hear about it now any Patreon listeners who are aware during a shot at glory there is a bit about the club moving to Dublin and we mocked this this is from Danny Trapp so this has happened twice in real life do you remember in 1995 Sam Haman was approached by some Irish businessman who wanted to buy and relocate Wimbledon to a new stadium in Dublin. Yeah, I vaguely remember this. Yeah, no, I don't. But if anyone was going to be involved, it's going to be Sam Man, isn't it? The idea would be for the club to remain in the Premier League and capitalise on massive business support for the league within Ireland. The move was approved in theory by the Premier League, but needed the support of the Football Association of Ireland. They were initially supportive, but lobbied successfully by the clubs in the domestic league to reject it. A little closer to home and what I think a shot of glorious filmmakers were referencing with their storyline, was another unsuccessful attempt by the owners of Clydebank to move their club to Dublin in 1998. Move was stopped by Scottish FA and fan groups. Do you know what? We've learned some stuff about Scottish football through uh, watching A Shot of Glory. I feel like I really know so much more about it. We now know about Queen's Park Stadium. We know about moving to Dublin. So that criticism of that tacked on storyline in A Shot of Glory, I take it back. Would you? How would you feel about a team moving to Dublin? I guess it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Part of me has always kind of wanted Celtic and Rangers to join the Premier League and to have a team in Dublin. And for a team like West Ham, where you're never really going to play that much European football, it's quite exciting to be having a away game in Dublin or Glasgow. Yes, yes. Okay, so we've talked a lot about Janino getting the bikes and Fabrizio Ravanelli getting bikes. This is from Ross Kennedy. He says, when you talk about Janino receiving a Coca-Cola Cup bike, it brought back the memory of the man of the match in the Scottish League Cup final in the 90s used to get a Coca-Cola bike on the pitch at the end of the match. Would you like to see, we'll put this on our Twitter, a photo of Neil McCann of Hearts receiving his bike. He was man of the match, but his team had lost. (laughs) (laughs) Here it comes. Oh, wow. He looks so depressed. Nobody in that photo wants to be there. (laughs) Also, these bikes, I thought that bike was small next to Janino, but like that that is a child's bike it is a small old bike that's isn't it? tiny 
Absolutely tiny. A terrible, terrible gift to receive after you've just lost the Coca-Cola Cup final. Um, We will put that on our Twitter and our Instagram. So if you want to give us a follow there. Now, Sunday, 8 p.m. on Zoom is our next live show with Tom Crane and Matt Ford. If you are a Patreon member, we will send you a link on the day. Otherwise, you can go and buy your tickets on Ticketmaster. Uh, The links are on our social media. Tom Crane will be picking his favourite 11 of journeymen from the 90s. Journeyman players and Matt Ford will be picking his Nottingham Forest 11 from the 90s and they will be going head-to-head Championship Manager 97-98. You can't go out at the moment, so why not stay in and watch Zoom? And if you want a quick flavour of what the evening is like, here is a clip of our previous show with Ellis James and Tom Parry. How are you, Tom? Have you recovered from meeting Steve Bull? Um, it, it remains one of the most surreal and incredible days of my life. And I listen back to it quite a lot, actually. <laughs> <laughs> quite a lot. <laughs> In fact, I, um, I, I don't know, I, I think I mentioned on the podcast, but it was the day that we'd been for our first scan. Um, and um, so, like, I'd seen this picture of, uh, of my baby. And then, we, and then when I met Steve Bull, I didn't know that was going to happen. And then, and then about five weeks ago, we were outside the maternity unit and Jane was going in for a second scan and I couldn't go in because like of quarantine and all that. And you just put out the episode. So I thought, well, oh, well, I'll, I'll have a listen. Be nice to have a listen. And I pressed play and it was Des Lynham reading if, right? <laughs> so, so, so and Des Lynham reading if finished with that line, you know, and what is more, you'll be a man, my son. And then my WhatsApp pinged and it was my wife sending me our baby's heartbeat. And I just burst into tears, <laughs> just, just started sobbing uncontrollably. It's just like, it's a very emotional record for me, that record. Like, the gift that keeps on giving. Well, let's see. Let's see. I mean... <laughs> The discussion has been had. Let's just say that. Steve, if it's a boy, Molyneux if it's a girl. <laughs> Molyneux is quite a nice name for a Molyneux's girl. Molyneux is quite a classy name, actually, isn't it? Yeah. So, Tom, have you brought a piece of memorabilia? So, I had some absolute... Um, listening to Skull talk about the coins being put up into the attic. I've had a slightly more extreme experience this afternoon, where basically just before lockdown, we've upped and moved uh, to Devon in with my wife's... With, well, with my mother-in-law. And it was like a really intense move. And we had this big chat about the baby coming and we're moving in with your mom. So we're going to have to get rid of a lot of stuff. And so Jane did a lot of sorting and I did a lot of packing. So this afternoon, I've come to find my completed Panini Italian 90 sticker book. Oh, wow. And it's gone. Oh. Oh. And it's gone. I feel sick. Mamma yeah. mia. Yeah. If it's any consolation, Tom, those things are so much cheaper on eBay than you think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I bought the complete Orbis one, which is the 20 part for 30 quid. There you go. That's that's, that's the way it's going to go. As as an extra bonus, when you bought that, it had the number for the Cameroon FA on it, if you remember. (laughs) We we called it, didn't connect, but it was nice to know. It didn't connect. It went in the contact book all the same. So, Tom, you're here to take us through your favourite, uh, your worst England eleven of the 90s. You're yeah. You're a fan as much as you are a Wolves fan, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's kind of Have tough putting together. Well, yeah, like, I, it, obviously it feels like quite a negative thing to do. And, like, what, I was tr- what I've tried to do with this eleven is, like, it's, obviously it's like it's a personal eleven. 
I yeah. slightly freaked out this morning when you put out the tweet of like, this is the squad. Because obviously Twitter starts going, you've put him in, you've put him in. And I started going, oh God, oh God, <laughs> can't, can't handle this scrutiny. Um, so I should, I should say it's a personal 11. Yeah, it's not, it's not the worst players, it's the ones that you find the most difficult yeah. to deal with. And it's, it, it's kind of based on three factors, I would say. It's based on moments. There are definitely players who are in there just because of single moments. Yeah. Um, it's based, some are based on personality and, yeah. and, and the others are based on expectation versus what they delivered. That was, that was okay, kind right. of my remit when I went to it. So shall I run you, shall I run, shall we go one by one? I think that's the best way. So yeah. In yeah, goal, okay. who's playing in goal? So in goal is Chris Woods, right? Yeah. And I was gonna, I mean, like my, my, my theory behind this is Chris Woods for me is very much like he's Gordon Brown to Shilton's Tony Blair. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like he, he was there waiting in the wings for so long yeah. <laughs> and the expectation was there for him. And then when he came in, it just wasn't, it just didn't yeah. click. Now it might not, it might not all be his fault. I don't think it Are was. Are you but... saying that Chris Woods is the intellectual heavyweight behind Peter Shilton? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> uh, I'd definitely say this as well. This is my feeling. This is what really got it for me was Shilton in my mind. And I think you've talked about this on the podcast anyway. Shilton was too old for Italian 90. Yeah. And I feel like there were a couple of key moments where if we had a slightly better keeper, we may well have got even further in Italian 90. So my, my argument is, if Chris Woods had been better, then Shilton surely wouldn't have been there. Right, so like, yes. like, if Chris Woods is doing his job, then yeah. a 40-year-old Shilton isn't starting. Yeah, you, should, you shouldn't be on the bench to a 40-year-old. You just shouldn't. You just shouldn't. So yeah. It comes to something when you're spending your best years as a footballer waiting for a 40-year-old to retire. Yeah. <laughs> but I should say, as a caveat to this, right, when I was trying to find my Italian 90 sticker album this afternoon, what I found instead is something, this, it's called Boys Stuff, right? Yeah. And this is... It's is a, this you made this? It's a magazine I made, yeah, in 1993. <laughs> <laughs> Lemmings on the front? Yeah, Lemmings, Dean Saunders and Hulk Hogan, the big three. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it says calling all boys are you peeved off because all the teenage mags are for girls well look no further <laughs> boys peeved stuff off. Yeah, exactly so <laughs> but anyway the, the article at the back so you, so you basically predicted loaded yeah that's it what, what i have here this is the start of the the boys culture in the 90s interesting <laughs> that you crossed the uh, the sega and nintendo divide there normally it would be one or the other you've tried to merge we weren't afraid two. we weren't afraid to tackle the you wanted a broad readership yeah bridges not walls it's also worth saying that on the cover i promised the article who will win the league and then by the time i got to the end of the magazine it's how man united won the league <laughs> <laughs> It had taken me so long to complete the magazine. But in, I found an article at the back where we pick Boy Stuff's England team. Yeah. And it says, Chris Wood should, without a doubt, definitely keep number one England shirt. He's a great goalkeeper and has a lot of team experience. Oh, that's so, nice. I was researching Chris Woods. Quick quiz. All of you just give me a number. How many caps do you think he got for England? 27. I, I think a lot, 12. Forty-three. Oh, really? Forty-three. Oh. 43. Oh, he, did, he did a stint, but it was all, it was pretty disastrous.
our guest for the second part. He's a comic. He's a friend of the show. He's a Wales legend. He's appeared multiple times before uh, critiquing one Wales manager. He's here tonight to be Wales manager, here to pick his Welsh 11 from the 90s. It's Mr. Ellis James. Hello. Oh, hello. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that top. Wow. Look at that. That looks very flammable. Someone's, um, read, someone's read Monday Hour magazine. Well, what I would say is, as much as I love it, because of the ridiculous 90s material, it's so hot, I'm going to have to take it off. Cause I feel like I've been feeling sick for about 15 minutes. Because it's June, you're not going to wear clothes like this in June. Um, so if you don't mind... It doesn't help us that you're in a broom cupboard. Yeah, well, I thought for the... Uh, to continue the 90s theme, I'd get some curtains from a 90s NHS hospital. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm in, this, I'm in this spare room, which is the room we care least about. But I had no idea that because of Zoom gigs, this is the room for various Wi-Fi reasons I've got to do all of this stuff from. So every time I do a Zoom gig or whatever, my terrible curtains get taken out of them online. The pandemic, you're making around... 85% of your living in the spare room, so it's now tax deductible. As a <laughs> you can afford some new curtains. Yeah, but anyway, so that's the 1990 to 1992 uh, Wales tracksuit top. You're a um, big fan of Danny Baker, aren't you, Alice? Huge. Well, he invented six or six. And the thing wow, with six or six is that nowadays it's people at Sunbatch Services on the way back from Stoke away trying to tell Robbie Savage that their club shouldn't be playing, you know, 4-5-1 or whatever. But in those days, it was, it was like the funniest thing you've seen at football, the best chant you've heard. It was a much, it was a much more fan-orientated thing when Danny Baker was doing There's it. A, I don't know whether the clip exists online. We should, I don't know whether this would be... We should root it out, though, where um, there's a call when it was Baker and Kelly, which was Danny Baker and Danny Kelly. Yeah. And there's a call about a guy who made a large wooden bow tie of his team and brought it and wore it to the game. I'd say it's one of the top five funniest things I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, yeah, they're all on YouTube. I've realised in the course of this pandemic, though, that I don't actually mind football not existing because I'm quite happy to go back and start from the start and just watch all the, all the football that already exists, just watch it again. Does it bother me in the slight? In fact, I'd, I'd say I'm probably happier sitting down watching football, even though I know the results. How far, how far back are you going, Ellis? I'll watch fucking anything. It doesn't bother me. I was watching um, some BT Sports highlight package at six in the morning the other day. It was Arsenal versus... Uh, Notts County or something from the first division about 1982. What I love about football in, in that era is that the def I love how these defenders appear genuinely scared of the ball. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like the ma it's like the manager said, uh, right then, boys, um, all in. I should probably tell the defenders this. The ball itself is dripping in hepatitis, so you want to just get rid of it. Don't, don't just get rid of it. Knock it long, head it out, whatever. So it's... I've. I've I've loved that. Do you go beyond 1970 in terms of how far back? Not really. It's yeah. mainly the 70s and yeah. 80s stuff that gets repeated a lot. I didn't watch the England uh, 66 World Cup final the other day because they were showing Wales. Uh, they were showing Wales Scotland from 1977, I think, or 1976 yeah. on this on the other side. 
It's obviously <laughs> pinned my colours to the last. <laughs> the thing I find about 70s football is it's so slow, even 80s a bit, like mainly because of the pitches, but also the athleticism of the players involved. The, the pitches are hilarious. <laughs> Where the ball will just stick, it'll just stick. Um, no, one, no one ever thinks to try and improve the pitch. No one thinks, <laughs> do you know what, wouldn't, wouldn't it be better? I, I talked about this on something else, but they, they, on Wembley, they would do things like the Horse of the Year show. But on the pitch a week before a League Cup final. <laughs> so then it looks like someone's driven tractors on it. You're like, come, come on, guys. There we go. So quickly, Kevin, live from your laptop is coming this Sunday at 8pm. Go over to our social media and get click the link to get a ticket on Ticketmaster. If you're a member of our Patreon, you will get a link just before the show begins. We will see you then for some more live correspondence. But until then, Robbie Slater, see you later. Didn't we tell him to hold the middle of the pitch? Okay. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease. And the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.